0: Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Uh, sound guys love it when uh, they're the center of attention, so you can all turn around and wave at Brian back there, he'd love it. <laughs> but the real question for us this morning is, so which are you? Are you Charlie Brown or are you Linus? Are you exasperated by the season, right, the Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Giving Tuesday? Do you find yourself getting lost in the, uh, in the hustle and bustle and the decoration and getting everything ready and family preparations and traveling? Do you just find yourself exasperated and going, what are we doing this for again? What's this all about? Can anyone tell me what Christmas is all about. Or are you a little bit more cool, calm, collected? Are you Linus, seemingly undisturbed by what's going on in the world around you, and going, of course, let me connect the reason for you. Let me connect the stress of shopping and traffic and hanging Christmas lights and broken decorations and checking every single bulb each and every year. Let me tell you what Christmas is all about: connecting Jesus in to every area, remaining hopeful when there is so perhaps little hope in the world around us. The basic question that I want us to explore, not only today, but this entire Christmas season, has to do with the subject of awe. Is Christmas awful for you? Do you find yourself getting bogged down, stuck in the routine, doing things the same way? Would you say that right now or at some point in this season or maybe at a Christmas past that Christmas just at some point becomes awful? It just becomes way too much? Or for you and for us, can Christmas be a Season that is full of awe. Can it be awe, space, Full. Can we find ourselves at a place where we come face to face with the awe and wonder of this season? Can we come face to face with this reason why Christ came? And can we carry with us throughout this season to our friends and our co-workers who all celebrate perhaps a version of what we believe? But can we convey to them the awe of this baby who was born 2,000 years ago? Is Christmas awful or can it be awful for us. We're gonna look over the course of this series at a different story, a different character, a different piece each time around. And my hope, my aspiration for us is that we get to look through a familiar story through a different lens each time. And so today we're gonna to talk about the shepherds as our friend Linus introduced us to. But as we step into their story, I want to really convey this message of awe for you. And I found this video, this is a, a few years old that I found this, but uh Uh, It gets my brain thinking about the subject of awe. It helps me maybe reframe and refocus this season through that lens of what does it mean to be in awe in the world and also of Jesus and this faith that we celebrate. So I wanted to just play this video for you quickly as we open the subject on awe. (laughs)
1: I think a lot about the contrast between banality and wonder, between disengagement and radiant ecstasy, between being unaffected by the here and now and being absolutely ravished emotionally by it. And I think one of the problems for human beings is mental habits. Once we create a comfort zone, we rarely step outside of that comfort zone. But the consequence of that is a phenomenon known as hedonic adaptation. Overstimulation to the same kind of thing, the same stimuli again and again and again, renders said stimuli invisible. Your brain has already mapped it in its own head, and you no longer literally have to be engaged by that. We have eyes yet see not, ears that hear not, and hearts that neither feel nor understand. There's a great book called The Wondering Brain, that says that one of the ways that we elicit wonder is by scrambling the self temporarily so that the world can seep in. You know, Henry Miller says even a blade of grass, when given proper attention, becomes an infinitely magnificent world in itself, you know? Darwin said, attention, if sudden and close, graduates into surprise, and this into astonishment, and this into stupefied amazement. That's what rapture is. That's what illumination is. That's what, that sort of infinite comprehending awe that human beings love so much. And so how do we do that? How do we mess with our perceptual apparatus in order to have the kind of emotional and aesthetic experience from life that we render most meaningful? Because we all know those moments are there. Those are the moments that would make final cut. Only in these moments, we experience afresh the hardly bearable ecstasy of direct energy exploding on our nerve endings. This is the rhapsodic, ecstatic, bursting forth of awe that expands our perceptual parameters beyond all previous limits, and we literally have to reconfigure our mental models of the world in order to assimilate the beauty of that download. That is what it means to be inspired. The Greek root of the term means to breathe in, to take it in. We fit the universe through our brains, and it comes out in the form of nothing less than poetry. We have a responsibility to awe.
0: He explores awe from what I would say a secular scientific perspective, and yet I don't know about you, but he seems more excited about awe than perhaps we do this morning. He puts this page forward of going, This should be something that scrambles us inside, that when we see the same thing over and over again, we have to intentionally and through sheer force of our will and our expectation change the story so that we don't just go through Christmas going, Yep. I've heard this story before. Yep, I've heard that scripture before. Yes, I know what Christmas means. Yes, I know that Jesus loves me. And instead, we have the opportunity, he would say, the responsibility to engage in the awe. And I think for us in this room, when it comes to Christmas, we have a responsibility to engage the awe of Jesus Christ and that baby born for us 2,000 years ago. But it takes some intentionality. It takes some focused conversations. It takes us going, how do we set aside what we think we already know and enter into the story afresh? How do we create and carry with us a sense of awe as we go throughout this Christmas and Advent season? So I think we should start with a definition before we step back into our Scripture. Awe is defined this way. Reverential respect mixed with fear and wonder reverential respect i see that something's greater than me un- misunderstood or not able to be understood i see that it's out there and greater than me and it's a feeling mixed with both a fear an apprehension a, i'm unsure about what that is And also a sense of wonder, of curiosity. Let's go and see this thing that we have heard about. And so I looked for a couple images, and you know that kids often display emotion the best. And so here's a couple just snapshots of awe, right? Can you, can you see that sense of, oh, I want to know what that is, and yet maybe there's a little bit of apprehension. Let's keep going through some of our pictures. She looks like she's completely raptured in whatever it is, whatever emotion that she's experiencing. There's an awe, a respect, a drawing, in. there's an unknowingness to what we're going through when it comes to awe. And while our faces may not look like that at Christmas Eve, I hope that our hearts carry that emotion with us? What does it look like to be in awe of this Jesus, in awe of this baby, to have reverential respect for the God of the universe mixed with a holy fear about God being with us, Emmanuel, and also a sense of wonder? A sense of unknowing, a sense of let's go and see this thing that we've heard about. So on that note, we're going to jump into our scripture this morning. I'm going to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. If you brought a Bible, please turn there. Maybe you want to look on your smartphone, go to Bible Gateway. That's a great place for you to find it. Otherwise, if you'd like to use a Bible here, I'd encourage you to slip your hands up. Our ushers would love to give you a Bible. I'll even help you out. We're on page 483 uh, in the Bibles here in the warehouse. 483. Three. So, Luke chapter two. It's the very same message that uh, Linus read to us, but we're going to slow down a little bit and go through it verse by verse. Luke chapter two, starting at verse eight. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. Nearby is Bethlehem. Remember, this is where Mary and Joseph are, and they're out in the fields keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And don't miss this. And they were terrified. They were terrified. Now, I don't know what image comes to mind when you think of angel. Maybe it's this one. Uh, this is a famous picture uh, of angels, and uh, I don't know that um, those are terrifying. Unless you've got a thing with babies, then like, maybe this terrifies you. I don't know. But I don't think we're talking about tiny babies with wings here. That says that the angels came and the shepherds were terrified. As a matter of fact, every time an angel appears in Scripture, it always uses the same phraseology that it does in the verses that follow this. The angel's first words almost categorically and emphatically are, Don't be afraid. Calm down, it's okay, don't be afraid, I have good news for you, is the angel's words. And so the angels wouldn't say that unless they were somewhat imposing to behold. Angelic beings are awesome creatures, right? They invoke a sense of reverential respect mixed with a holy fear that there is an angelic being before us and also that sense of wonder though. Not enough to quite run away, but enough to make us lean forward in our seats, enough for the hair on our arms to perhaps stand up. I want you to go there This with me as we read this scripture. What would it have been like for it to be completely pitch black outside and then for all of a sudden an angel of the Lord and the glory of the Lord to shine around you? Remember, these were shepherds, pre-electricity, pre-anything else. They're out in a dark field, night after night, day after day. Above that, shepherds, you may recall, uh, are kind of societal outcasts, as it were. They spend more time with animals than people, right? They're out in the fields all of the time by themselves. This was not necessarily a glamorous job. It was not the best job to have. It was kind of the lowest. Of the low, Let me remind you of a story. You remember the boy King David and Samuel goes to David's father Jesse's house because the Lord has told him, go there and anoint the next king of Israel. And so Jesse brings out all his sons like a good father, equally proud of each of them. He starts with the oldest and he works his way down the line. Each of them the Lord says, nope, that's not the one, that's not the one, that's not the one until the very, very end. And then Samuel goes, do you have any more sons? Do you remember the story? Jesse goes, yes, I do. There's one, but he's, he's a shepherd, right? He's, he's out in the field. He's the run to the litter. He's the lowest of the low. He's not the one that you want. Surely you want one of these sons in front of you, but the Lord doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. And so the angels appear to these shepherds, these societal outcasts, these people who do not have the training, who do not have the understanding, who do not even have the right heart temperament. And yet the angels come in a spectacular display of awe, reverential holy fear mixed with Wonder And so these shepherds, they're out there at night, and all of the sudden, this angel appears before them, a 10-foot monstrous creature, and they find themselves stupefied in his presence. Let's continue reading verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Why would he say that unless they already were? But he says, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all People. Don't miss the order here, right? First there is fear. First there is awe and expectation of what's out there. And then second comes the joy. There's an obstacle. There is a fight or flight mechanism that the angel has to get the shepherds over. Hey, calm down. It's gonna be okay. In the midst of your fear, there is great joy, and we have to overcome that sense of fear in order to enter into the awe of this Christmas season. So I would say this, if this Christmas you want to have the joy of the good news and the experience of the gospel of Jesus, the awe of Christ, it starts with a holy fear. It starts with an apprehension. It starts with a little bit of a pulling back and a reverential respect, right? In the new age of church, when we carry around the Holy Spirit within us as believers, where we know who Jesus is and we can approach the throne room of grace freely, sometimes we miss the holy fear. We miss the reality that this is God incarnate, that he's not just some baby in a manger, but that stars and galaxies and oceans rise and fall At His name and at His word. See, when when you don't have that sense of fear, then all you have instead of wonder is just curiosity. We have a lot of people around today and throughout generations who have been simply curious about Christ. Who is this man? Who is this good teacher? And they're curious, but they are not committed to Jesus. Because they've lacked a sense of holy fear, of reverential understanding. They simply come with wonder and curiosity. And friends, that's not awe. It's simply wasted emotion. It's simply curiosity. It's simply questions. Now, hear me clearly, if you're in that space where you don't quite yet know what role Jesus has in your life, then curiosity is a fantastic way to begin, to begin stepping into, to begin exploring who this Jesus is. But if you want awe this season as Christ followers, it starts with an expectation and an understanding of who this Jesus is, that he is fully God that he was there from the beginning of the foundations of the earth, and that is worthy of our attention and our affection. When we misplace or don't listen to that reverential respect mixed with fear, we don't allow ourselves to be awed by Jesus, awed by God in flesh. Let's keep reading as we walk through this story back to verse 10. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. Remember, you have to overcome that fear for awe. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you that you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heavens and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. If one angel was terrifying, a sky full of them has got to wake you up. You know what I mean? Like if it's late at night and you're going, maybe we just had some bad goat cheese and we're all just kind of hallucinating a little bit, a heavenly choir of angels, you're awake now. All of the sudden, if you weren't in awe, you are in at least the fear part of awe going around. The shepherds have their vision scrambled in the most wonderful way and they find themselves not only in awe of the angels in front of you, but in awe of the message which they bring. See, the shepherds knew the story as well. This story had been told for two Thousand years that one day God would come to his people in a Messiah, in a deliverer, in a great king. They knew that someday this would happen. But God has been silent for 400 years leading up to this time. No prophets, no kings. They've been in exile. They've been passed around from world power to world power as people want to walk through their nation to deliver armies and goods across vast vast empires that have gone up and down throughout the course of the history of Israel. And so these shepherds who knew the story of antiquity were able to put something together. Not only were they in awe of this angelic presence in front of them, they were in awe of the message that they carried, that the Messiah was here and that he was now present among them and their awe grows from simply just being curious to being completely committed to going and see this thing and I think today that their response can typify our response as well that as we come face to face with Jesus in the story of Christmas that we can respond in similar ways that we see the shepherds respond let me show you what I mean verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and let's see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. The first thing that we can do to emulate the shepherd's sense of awe for us this year is that we should seek after Jesus. We should seek after him. We should follow intentionally after Jesus to find ourselves alongside with the shepherd, responding to the words that the angels have told us. They went looking for Jesus, right? Their response to awe was to follow the directions, to step in and to see this thing that the angels were talking about, right? They hurried, they ran, they hustled. Why? Because they were gripped with a sense of awe. They wanted to see the outcome. Was it true? Could it be true? What does it mean if it is true? They could have just been curious, but curiosity doesn't have you leave your job in the middle of a shift with the heavy machinery running. Like, that's what they did. They were watching the flocks. This was the time to be most manageable, to watch out for things who would come to steal the sheep, and instead they go, no, we've got to go and see this thing. They were gripped by the reality of the story that they were in. Maybe you're somewhere along in there today. Maybe you've heard of this story, maybe you've seen it from afar, and maybe you're curious, and maybe you're just not yet committed to Jesus. Maybe you've heard of the Christmas story, maybe you've even been in church year after year, but the awe of who Jesus is has never been real to you. If that's the case, I want to encourage you that you're in a great spot. Spend this Christmas season with us. Kick the tires. See whether or not this thing that the angels and that we Christians have talked about for centuries— And see if it's real and meaningful for you. And if you seek after Jesus, if you continue to look for him where he is, then I promise you one day you'll find him. And this story will switch from just being a story that you read about and that we watch every year on TV in the Charlie Brown Christmas special, but actually something that we carry with us. The awe translates from a story that we hear to something that we carry within us, which is really the second part of the actions that the shepherds take that we can follow. After we seek after Jesus, we're bound to find awe. And if we want awe in our lives this Christmas season, then we have to do the second thing that the shepherds did, which is to share about Jesus. Watch what happens to the shepherds after they seek Jesus and find him. Verse 16. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Their experience is so transformational that they can't help but share the story. And when they tell the story, people are amazed. They're wowed. They can't believe it. And you might be here and you might say, yeah, I've experienced Jesus. Maybe there was even a time when you would say, yeah, I think I felt that awe. I I think I've felt that mix of fear and wonder. Maybe Christmas and Easter and the price paid for you on the cross and you're in awe of who Jesus is. But when you keep that story to yourself, you stop the growing of awe within you. See, as the shepherds experience awe, it's so transformational that they share it with people around them. And I just want you to think back with me. What happens if they would not have done that? Right, what happens if they just show up and they see Jesus and they think, Wow, that's so great. I love this. It's this really personal experience. And then they go back to their fields not telling a single soul. Chances are when Matthew and Luke and they're doing their research on this birth story of Jesus, maybe Mary and Joseph remember that there were some dudes who showed up, but they're certainly not making it into the nativity at that point. Because we don't hear the story and people around aren't then expecting for what God is going to do because now the story spreads like wildfire. And while Jesus is just a baby and scripture goes silent for some 30 years as we await his ministry time happening, if the shepherds don't share their story, the historicity and the stories that are told about Jesus and his birth and the nativity and everything that we celebrate in this season changes. See, if awe doesn't come into our lives and transform us, then we have to wonder if we've really experienced it. Because awe at its most basic level is transformational. Right? As we experience something, as we come into something that's as big and as mighty and vast as this thing that we're talking about with Jesus, then that awe must transform us. And as it transforms us, it becomes something that we can't help but speaking and sharing about. Too often when it comes to sharing our faith, we've made it some uh, some kind of repeatable action. We've made it a piece of paper that we can hand to somebody and go, here's what I believe in. Can I tell you about Jesus? And for some of us that's worked, maybe that's how you came to know Jesus. But in our culture today and in the world today, I don't think we need more tracks. I don't think we need more opportunities to engage people on the street. I think that we as followers and believers of God need to embrace the awe of this story within our lives and then invite other people to experience it with us and there's really only two issues with that either you've experienced that awe or you haven't because if you have then my suspicion my hunch my hope for you is that it's easy to share about because it's impactful and it's meaningful. And your story may not feature an angel. It may not feature a divine angelic call. It may not feature a conversion overnight. But I promise you that your story is awe you That as you think through the ways in which God redeemed you and called you, as you think through your journey with Christ, that having that conversation with somebody who's on the fringe or somebody who's never thought through the spirituality of their soul would go, wow, tell me more. About how you knew that, how you experienced that, because that's awesome. I've never had that experience. I've never felt that way. And the world is begging for us to share the story of awe at this Christmas time, right? Because I think that part of the problem, and he mentioned this in that video, is that we get used to the awe of Jesus, right? It's one thing when angels show up and when we're inspired and done that, but when you live with an angel all the time, right, husbands, we just get used to it. Mm -hmm. Right, we get used to awe, we get used to the beauty around us, and when we experience Christ day by day, we have the Holy Spirit living within us, which is a beautiful and wonderful truth. Jesus is somebody that we can talk to all of the time. We use his name all of the time, every Sunday in worship songs, and we get used to the fact of who Jesus is. And at Christmas time, we have the opportunity to just step outside of all of the knowledge and all of the things that we received and to go, what does it mean that the infinite God of the universe became finite, not even finite in the sense of a human being, not even finite in the sense of somebody who walked on the earth, but he came humbly as a baby. That is an awful story. There's so much to digest and so much to do, but we tend to just get used to it. And we're no longer in awe of Christmas. We're no longer in awe of the wrapping paper. We're no longer in awe of the lights and the gifts under the tree. We just find ourselves getting used to it. But when you share your story, when you do the hard work of coming face to face with your own heart reality and of building yourself up to have awe of who Jesus is this season, it becomes even easier as you share it with other people about the truth of the gospel and what you have encountered, and you encounter on a day-to-day basis with this God whom you serve. So the the challenge is to share our story, and I would simply phrase it this way for us, and we'll talk about this most weeks up until Christmas. Who are you bringing with you this Christmas season? To church, absolutely, that's fine, but who are you bringing along with you in your life to be able to share this awesome story with Who in your life needs to hear about the truth of the gospel? And again, I'm not going to equip you with a track. I'm not going to share your testimony in five steps. I just want to encourage you to take the awe experience that we're talking about and to translate it into your day-to-day life. Life. Who are you bringing along with you? Who are you engaging in conversation? Too often, when it comes, especially to Christmas Eve, right, we invite people. Hey, will you come to church with me? Check the box. I did it. And whether they show up or not doesn't really matter because I did my job. I invited them. It's really on them now. Instead, I want to challenge you to bring someone along with you. Whether they come to church or Christmas Eve service or not, I just want you to go through disciple and to bring people along in this story of Jesus which means you've got to do some work as well. What do I have in my life? What do I have in my relationship with Jesus that's worth sharing? What do I have in my life to be able to tell somebody about why it's important for me that I show up on Sunday morning? Why is it important for me to show up to my small group? Why does Christmas Eve matter in my family's schedule? And when you have that answer, now you have something that might be worth sharing to somebody in your life. This is what the shepherds do. They experience awe and they don't just leave it at afar and go, well, okay, that's that's good. They actually pursue it. Their curiosity turns into commitment. And as they experience Jesus, they're so transformed by awe that they can't help but share their story. And people are amazed, it says, by their story, but it simply doesn't start there. See, the transformation of awe shifted the shepherds into a role from just being casual in their approach to being fully committed. In a word. I think if you want to have awe this Christmas, then you need, number three, to surrender to Jesus. You have to find yourself at a place where you surrender to the work and the personhood of Jesus in your day-to-day life. Let's look at Luke 2.20, how the story of the shepherds kind of wraps up today. It says, The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, I'm speculating a little bit here, but I don't think that the shepherds in the field were in the habit of glorifying and praising God. You know what I mean? Shepherds were kind of sketchy dudes. They were out there on the fringes of society. They were the people to avoid. They didn't have the best reputation. I doubt that they were singing kumbaya in circles around the fire at night. You with me? And so when it says this, it says very, very clearly, they returned back to their normal life. They went back to their jobs. They didn't drop everything and go to seminary. They didn't stop doing what they were doing and instead become hermits. They, they went back to their day-to-day, but they carried the story with them. Awe had so transformed them that they shared their story, but it led to a transformed life throughout the week. They surrendered to the story of Jesus. And keep in mind, this is before the cross. This is before the miracles. This is simply an angelic proclamation and their changed lives. The awe that they experienced in that moment was enough for them to carry with them throughout, I would argue, the rest of their lives because we have this story. And this story isn't written down when Jesus was just born. This story is written down after he becomes the Messiah, after his death and resurrection. So the shepherds remember this moment for some 30-odd years before it's ever written down. And I think that if I could challenge us as a group to anything as we encounter these next few weeks together, it's that awe is not something that we passively experience, but it's something that we actively engage I think that we all would like to be awed. We'd all like to be wowed. We'd all like for an angel to show up to us and us just be like, wow, that's so amazing. I wish that would happen to me. But I don't think awe is something that's just passive that we just sit back and go, I mean, if it happens, then I guess I think it's something that we have to passionately pursue and engage ourselves in to put ourselves face to face with this God that we know and that we serve and to beg him and just go, I want to be in awe of you this year. And that starts for all of us, whether you've never done it or whether you do it daily, to surrender to who Jesus is. To put him first in our lives, to recognize that we are first and foremost servants of his, that our life is no longer our own, but that it has been bought with a price. I think that at Christmas, more than any other time, it's more easy to kind of pass the ruse off of being Christ followers, right? Because we celebrate Christmas. We've got the lights and the tree and the gifts and the stockings and elf on the shelf, and we've got all these things. So, of course, we're following Christ, right? Are you in awe of Christ or of Christmas? Do you do the things that you do because of who Christ is and your awe of him, or do we do them because this is the cultural normative that happens around this time? Christmas lights are great. Christmas trees are great. Elf on the shelf is great. We have an elf that will be visiting our household in the near future. And the point is not that those traditions are bad, but the point is, are we connecting them with a deeper level story for our own selves? Are we doing the hard work of surrendering to Christ in each of those areas? Are we doing them for our families, for our kids, for our children? And more specifically, are we doing them for the people on the fringes of our lives? Those people that we don't talk faith or anything like that with, are we connecting the story for them, not to be pushy, not to shove the story on them, but because it's so meaningful and impactful for us. If you don't know about my faith, we're not friends. That's just who I am, that's just how my life works. You don't have to believe what I believe, I'm okay with that, but I at least have to tell you what's important and meaningful to me. And when we're in awe of Jesus, when we're in awe of this baby who was born, we're going to seek him out. We're going to go to where he is. We're going to pursue him intentionally. We're also going to share that story with others, but we're going to be the first example to surrender ourselves to the work and word of Jesus as we go through this season. Maybe you've never made that opportunity, or maybe as we go into Christmas, you're just feeling convicted that that I need to take a step and just to know that God is first, that Christ is first in Christmas for me. And that if everything were to go away, if all of a sudden Christmas lights became illegal and Christmas trees weren't allowed, that I would still have a reverential sense of fear and wonder about this baby who was born 2,000 years ago. I want to invite us just into a quiet moment of reflection and personal application. I want to do that with just this one simple thought. That awe is a decision, not a destination. We come to church and we sing the songs. We want to be awed, I think. I love it when worship is powerful and moves me and when I experience and feel God in the midst of that. But far too often, I wait for it to be done. I passively expect it instead of actively engaging in the awe of the season. Awe is a fundamental decision that we make. And I want to invite you, all of us, no matter where you're at on this journey, to step into an intentional sense of reverential respect for this baby that was born, mixed with a fear, a holy apprehension about the God of the universe being in a tiny, tiny space and mixed with wonder, with a sense of curiosity. Let's go see this thing. When we do that, I think we'll carry awe with us throughout this season. So I just want you to bow your heads, Take just a moment. Maybe it was something I've said. Maybe the Holy Spirit gave you a different thought that you can just pursue at this time. But as we step into Christmas and this season, I just want to openly invite you to be in awe. What step do you think you need to take to be in awe? Do you just need to make the decision that this is the choice that you're going to make? Maybe for you, it's that push to share. I just, need to, I just need to own that a little bit more. Or maybe for you, it's honestly surrender. There was a time, there was a place where maybe you did, but that was a long time ago. And Christmas is just something you do, not something that you actively engage in. Maybe you've never made the choice to follow Jesus and you're just feeling like maybe in this season, it's time. No matter where you at, I just want to invite you to pray with me. You can pray this in your heart or out loud, whatever is best for you. But I want to invite us in to awe, into surrender to the person of Jesus. And so I wrote out a prayer, and it goes something like this: Dear Jesus, awe is fleeting. Right now, I don't, I don't have it. I don't see it or feel it. But I want to be in awe this season. I want to experience the reverence, the holy fear, the joy mixed with wonder. Jesus, I believe that you are the source of awe. And so today I surrender to you As we go through Christmas, I want your presence in my life. I want your presence as we worship. I want your presence as we work. I want your presence as we celebrate together as a family. Forgive me for the false substitutes in my life and replace them with your truth this Christmas. God, I want to be in awe of you. Heavenly Father, that's my prayer. It's my prayer for each of us, God, that you would lead us in such a way that that would be our experience, God, that that would be our prayer as we go not only Sunday to Sunday, but day to day, God, that we would carry the awe of your birth, the awe of Jesus with us and that your Holy Spirit would equip us and enable us to see that within ourselves, that it would come bubbling up from within and that we couldn't help but sharing about this amazing experience that we have that we call surrendering to Jesus. God, I want to celebrate Christ, not just Christmas. And so, God, as you enable and equip us to do that, God, would you show us the way to walk in the light and in the presence of Jesus that you've given us. God, would you well up awe within us that we could carry it throughout this season, that we would be in awe of you and of your word, Heavenly Father, I ask that. In your name and in the name of your Son, Jesus, and the power of your Holy Spirit that lives and dwells in the hearts and lives of all believers. And all God's kids said.